Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes, We need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 37 of Extra Lore, recorded live on April 5th, 2019, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the series of Devil May Cry. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only Green-Eyed Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How's the week treated you so far? Good. I'm moving about 50 tons of rock, apparently, because the prior owner decided that landscaping was for, for, uh, for sissies. So I am currently... My current house project, besides tearing out carpet and finishing floors, painting and everything else that a home is, is going outside and shoveling rocks in the morning. <laughs> I really, I've decided dig a that hole, I need to do it a different way. Dig a right? hole, fill it up, dig it again. No, God. <laughs> um, already a bleep, and we're not even five minutes into the show. Uh, gosh. No, this one, the guy, okay, so... It's sloped outside. There is a hill. The gentleman who owned this place before us apparently doesn't know how gravity and round objects work. Ah, so you bought a house from a flat earther. Um, I guess. I don't know. He just... (laughs) It it all rolls downhill, and it's pressing up against our our gates and our fence, and it is bowing the wooden fence out, which is destroying it. And so I have to move all of it, and I've decided that playing comp... And Destiny, and then going shoveling for about 20 minutes at a time, really works well to help like mitigate the anger of getting queued in one myself versus four people, because that has happened a few times while grinding comp this last week. But beyond that, I, I'm doing great. Like, I'm getting my muscle tone back, and everything else is going great. Life hacks by green. <laughs> how, to, how to play comp without getting, without breaking your console. Oh my gosh, yes. Chat, putting all that salt to work. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's how you do it. Oh my goodness. Oh man. Well, uh, Beard actually had to take the night off because I believe, if I remember correctly, he had a a pretty bad migraine, I think is what happened, or sinus infection. Um, Sinus infection. Which is just, yeah, it's never, that's never fun. So he... I was getting give him grief, but then he, I read that it was a science fiction. I'm like, eh, I'll be nice to him. I've been I've been giving him grief all all week on Twitter. What? 
I mean, considering that you are Thor and he's <laughs> the Hulk now. That's what I was going to give him grief. Give grief? <laughs> oh my gosh. That cracked me up this morning. Thank you, Wicked, for setting that up for everybody to... It's still going. Realize. Like oh the, my god. The gift conversation still going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just love, I'm part of it. I love that Z was like... <laughs> He got involved, and you're like, oh, you're War Machine. What? <laughs> I think Wicked assigned her War Machine. Yeah, I, I just, I'm just like, I'm okay. I'm, I'm Tony Stark. I don't mind. Tony Stank. I'll be, I'll be fine with that. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, and obviously, with as with most of our extra lore, we didn't have uh, really a community question. Um, so we're going to probably just like really just jump right into it. So uh, this this series is actually a pretty fun one I have I have found. So I'm, I'm really kind of excited about uh, diving into the discussion. So let's run through our standard intro notes and then we'll get right into it. In our last Extra Lore episode, we took a brief look at Nier. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to rate and if you can, leave us a written review on iTunes or comment on the episodes on Podbean or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help continue to expand the FFC family, which allows more and more perspectives to be heard. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a gathering place where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within game lore, with a special focus on the Destiny universe. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. As with the other normal chat topics, Extra Lore is decided by the community through a monthly poll. After the month's discussion has come to an end, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the chat for those who are unable to participate. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. This will also be the new home for the Focus Fire Chat episode note archives and articles going forward. Extra Lore for April is going to be a discussion on the lore of Anthem, so be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in. With all that being said, let's just get right into Devil May Cry. All right, so this week, or this week, our chat, God, I just repeated myself, that's the type mm-hmm. of type of night it's been. Um, Tired. Yeah, this month's Extra Lore topic, uh, as we said at the top of the show, was Devil May Cry. Uh, and really, I'm just going to, I'm just really, I'll just kind of jump right in. Uh, the main focus of the series is going, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll notice this quite, quite early on. But the main focus is Dante's goal of avenging his mother's murder. Uh, and this is done predominantly through the extermination of demons. So he's kind of like a, he, he becomes a demon hunter, basically, in order to, his, his, his ultimate end goal is to find the character who is responsible or who he believes is responsible for the death of his mother. Uh, and we'll get into that just a little bit down the road. Uh, yes, the series is loosely based on the Divine Comedy, uh, the basis of that is that uh, it's mostly through the use of illusions and referencing various names of characters. Uh, the storyline obviously is not going to follow the Divine Comedy, uh, but the the kind of the relationships between the characters who are named from that that work of uh, work of literature are uh, 
are similar. Like they, it's not going to necessarily be friendly. You know, they're not going to have the same level of relationship, but as far as like intimacy, uh, they're going to be very similar, uh, for the prime example being Dante and Virgil inside the divine comedy. They are very uh, closely aligned. Virgil is Dante's guide through the underworld, uh, in devil may cry. Dante and Virgil are twin brothers. Uh, Dante Mm -hmm. is the, the protagonist and, I would really strongly argue that Virgil is one of, if not the main antagonist throughout the series. Uh, and again, somewhat, he's always there. Well, Devil May Cry Five, he's not... Devil May Cry Five. It's it's it, yeah, Five, uh, Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry Five, and uh, Three. Those those three, I know Virgil is huge in. Uh, Mundus, like, we'll, and we'll get into the the other antagonists. Mundus, and, Mundus yeah. is Mund, but Mundus is more aligned with Sparta. Uh, whereas, like, so like their their nemesis, their yeah, be, well, and like I said, we'll get into that one because with Sparta, there's a there's a yeah, there's there's interesting things with this as as you might imagine from a Capcom series or Capcom series. Um, mm-hmm. so, anyways, uh. It, it actually, the, the series as a whole has enjoyed a success with pretty much all the main entries. Uh, every single main entry to this series has recorded millions of sales every time it comes out. Uh, and, and arguably one of the reasons is, is that the major focus of the gameplay within the overall series is the action aspect. Uh, they, the story, the story doesn't necessarily take like a back seat. Uh, through, at least through the majority of the major installments, there is a few installments that and eh, we'll, we'll mention. We're not going to talk about uh, just because they're not canonical in the in the overall mm-hmm. story. But the the major titles uh, have all been really really successful, uh, and and this is also because within the series you have this really unique blend of puzzle solving and exploration elements which is kind of a nod to the survival horror origins of the the series as a whole but uh it's not it's not as prevalent as the the very highly stylized combat the this series is very note like the the style of combat it's a brawler isn't it uh yeah it's i mean it's an action hack and slash i mean it is it's definitely a hack mm-hmm. and slash but like the uh if you've ever watched if you ever watch Devil May Cry, its its uh, style of combat is very unique to the series. Uh, there have now been series that have kind of taken that that concept off, but you have like the series. This is the one that like you you you'll chain hits, and it's like uh, what is, I can't remember the the uh, order of events, but it's like you know they they have ranks, and there's a there's an announcer who actually is like sitting there going like spectacular, like and it's like in, in it's just it's really kind of fun it just it's fun it's like you just play it oh yeah and they and they constantly are poking fun of it uh poking fun at each other but like the the thing is is like it is just it's just fun to play like it's it's really just even if you're not paying attention to the storyline the actual combat you just get stuck in that like loop it's a very it's a very hack and slash you know it's one of the models that just really works um but as as many of the series and titles that we have looked at within Extra Lore, uh, the uh, Devil May Cry does also, I mentioned, it does also contain a number of other media. You have anywhere from light novels, you have comics, manga, comics, uh, comics and manga, Please. films, anime, and actually, Green, I think you'll find this one interesting, a collaborative stage play. 
uh, that oh, was really? that was built off the name. Uh, it, huh. it, I can't remember on the stage play if it's if it's technically within the canon uh, or if it's just like a nod to the series. Uh, but it, there was a there was actually a, I think one or two showings of it. It was pretty pretty big. Um, though for tonight's topic, we're going to stick mostly on the canonical main titles. Uh, and I was going to make a comment because I know Beard was going to roll his eyes at it. But we are not going to talk about the Devil May Cry DMC title. Uh, mostly not because of uh, opinions of it, though there there are many who have strong opinions about the DMC title. Um, but actually because Devil May Cry DMC has been identified as taking place in an alternate story or alternate universe. And so it's it's one of those splinter stories that it it's still valid, but it's not canonically accepted as being part of the overall the overall story. Um, so the the first thing that you're going to notice when you look at Devil May Cry or DMC is the chronological order of titles and this is this is pretty common with a lot of series that you see but the chronological order of titles does not match the release dates uh, so it's not in order of release it's actually in a bit of a different order so the chronological order and I'm going to go through it in chronological order that's why I'm kind of explaining this chronological order is Devil May Cry 3 which was released in 2005 and then the sequel to that is Devil May Cry, which was the first title that was released in 2001. Uh, after that, the animated series is said uh, explains the transition into Devil May Cry 2, and then Devil May Cry 4, and then Devil May Cry 5 is the one that just came out recently. And actually, I'm going to probably be talking quite a bit about that one because that one has a lot of ramification. Um, as far as the future of the series, it seems, uh, and not just because it's the most recent, but also because of what happens with Dante and Virgil in that series or in that the uh, installment. Uh, so, just real quick, uh, real real fast run through of the overall story between those titles uh, in Devil May Cry three. We're actually introduced, arguably, again chronologically, we've already been or. Time-wise, we've already been introduced, but chronologically, this is the introduction to Dante and Virgil. Uh, the The competition between these two brothers is very predominant in this title. Uh, they they are very much uh, antagonistic towards each other, but they kind of have always and they're and they're also super powerful figures. Uh, so they are in the in their own way, they are kind of demigodish, as it were. So their conflict with each other often to normal humanity or the normal people in the world would seem very violent, but to them, it's just basically arguments. Uh, they are trying to kill each other, but they are like, it's, it's a weird relationship that they have. Uh, but into, into this little oil and water mixture is a figure who goes by the name of Arkham and Arkham basically shows up and is trying to support, or he presents a, a situation in which they are trying to prevent the character of Mundus, which we'll get, we'll kind of explain as we go on, to from coming back into the human world. Uh, a big, a big thing that's going on in the Devil May Cry series is there's two worlds: there's the demon world and the human world. The predominant amount of work, or the predominant amount of the story, does tend to take place in the human world, but it's also often around the 
bashing together of the demon world trying to force itself onto the human world so there's there is that type of it's it's a very uh very common trope in fantasy to have like a a spirit world and a, a physical world if you will uh, the demon world has been locked out of the human world through the use of these these devices called Hellgates. And one of the major Hellgates is Timon Negru, which is the actual, it's the predominant Hellgate that takes place throughout the series. The reason that this Hellgate is really important is that this was the last Hellgate that was sealed by the character known as Sparta. We never actually see Sparta much. Uh, we see the sword of Sparta, known as uh, the, um, I just blanked on it, the Force Edge. Oh, Force Edge. Yeah. Um, but Sparta, real quick, just kind of a recap on Sparta. Sparta is known, he's presented as the Black Knight. Uh, he is introduced in the series right as he defeats the ruler of the demon world, Mundus. So this is where I was talking about Sparta and Mundus are kind of the um, the big nemesis against each other. Uh as part of that, he stops Mundus from conquering the human world by sealing all the hell gates around the world. And the last of these gates was Timon Negru. Uh, when he sealed this, he had to, it was a pretty big uh, ritual, but Sparta was given a choice and he chose to remain in the human world where he established a religious sect known as the Order of the Sword. Uh, this order was pretty much established to make sure that the hell gates stayed closed. Uh, Eventually, as you know, as eight as the years went on, he actually would start a family with a human woman named Eva, uh, and had twin sons, Dante and Virgil. And as part of that, in or in addition to his part of his power that he granted to his children, he also gave them a locket that he split in half. Uh, and yes. this is very important. Uh, it is it is a constant source of con or. Uh, uh, conflict between the two brothers. Um, but the other thing that happened was this gift was really one of the only things that Sparta really gave them. And it was followed very quickly by the murder of their mother, uh, at the hands of our, at the hands of Mundus. Mundus killed Eva, uh, in order to kind of enact some of his revenge on Sparta to punish Sparta. Uh, however, the death of Eva spurred her sons into action. Uh, you kind of find out a little bit more about this in Devil May Cry 5, uh, because this is also where the big schism, or one of the big schisms between Dante and Virgil cre- is created. Uh, Dante takes the death of his mother as you know a catalyst into jumping into the world of hunting and exterminating demons. Virgil takes it and looks at it as a catalyst that he needs to gain more power to punish those who were responsible. Uh, same goal, completely different means to pro- to achieving that goal, and that is also one of the big issues between uh, Dante and Virgil. Virgil does not really pay much mind to the collateral damage that he causes, and Dante, I mean, not Dante is by no means a hero, but Dante does kind of have a bit more concern about the world around him um insofar as you know he he's not i hesitate to call dante a good person um he's like deadpool he's he's a very yeah. he's he's an anti or punisher like he's an anti-hero who has heroic qualities um but so that's kind of the the split between dante and virgil in a really brief nutshell uh so in Devil May Cry 3, the figure of Arkham kind of enters in, 
And there's a character also who gets introduced in the, this is just, I, and I realize this is kind of jumping all over the place. This is what the series kind of feels like. So you have Dante Virgil and a figure, a character named Lady. Uh, Lady is actually was introduced to us in the animated series, but this chronological order is the beginning of where she and their relationship comes from. So these three are not really friendly with each other. Lady and Dante are Dante and Virgil and Virgil and Lady don't really see eye to eye, if we will. Arkham comes in and tricks the brothers and Lady into basically completing a ritual that opens the Hellgate, uh, Tim and Negru. And this allows Arkham to basically acquire the Force Edge, which was the Sword of Sparta. Uh, in order, in, in the process of acquiring this, he also basically starts to destroy the world, the human world, and he's going to he's basically amassing power to take over. Uh, the brothers Dante and Virgil team up and basically chase Arkham into the demon world and attack him and defeat him. They do manage to defeat him with their powers basically combined. You know, with their powers combined, they are... uh, I don't know where I was going with that one. But as soon as Arkham is defeated, Virgil turns on Dante. Uh, And again, it's not a huge surprise, but he does attack Dante. And they butt heads once again. Dante actually manages to take get the uh edge because he because he literally gets the force edge and he gets an infusion of power. He manages to defeat Virgil and Virgil remains in the demon world while Dante returns to the human world. Uh the gate the hellgate closes and that's kind of the end of DMC three. So Virgil is now in the demon world, Dante is in the human world. Uh, time goes on, and we are we are then brought into the original Devil May Cry, and this is the introduction of uh, really in the series. This is the more overt introduction of Mundus. In Devil May Cry, the figure of Trish appears. Uh, Trish is a very popular uh, <laughs> character. Most people yeah. will most people will recognize her. She is a demonic figure as well, uh, kind of like a succubus type figure. Uh, but Trish appears and challenges Dante, uh, and. The, the 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 player doesn't know at the time, but it's because of her allegiance and her being enthralled to Mundus that she challenges him. But she challenges Dante because Dante has been growing in power because he has the Force Edge. He is unlocking more of his uh, his demon side. demon side, if you will, um, and he is becoming more and more powerful. And arguably, Dante has now surpassed Sparta in power. And so Trish appears and challenges him. Uh, and through this challenge to Dante, uh, Virgil reappears. And Virgil uh, is now, inter- is, you see Virgil now, who is now also enthralled to Mundus. So Mundus is active in the demon world. He is taking a, a more uh, front seat to things and is going to try, and he's again trying to push into the human world and take over. Uh, Isn't Arkham. Arguably, yes, but as soon as Arkham gets the Force Edge, he kind of goes power hungry. And uh, it's it's a it's a common thing in Devil May Cry. It's like they they send a they send a minor thing a minor character to get the powerful item, and then the the minor character picks up the powerful item. And a lot of these items in De- Devil May Cry have sentience. So like the Force Edge, the Force Edge uh, won't let Virgil handle it. Like okay. it refuses to allow Virgil to handle it. Dante can handle it. Which- well, okay, so is that mainly because Virgil has embraced more of his demonic side versus uh, it's because uh, Dante, or um, is there so a reason for there, 
I mean, that's part that might be part of it. Uh, I would argue, argue that's probably not because the force it. So there's also uh, a big play on uh, these power, these weapons of power. Uh, you have uh, swords. Yamato is Virgil's sword. It's a very thin, uh, their traditional samurai sword. Uh, the force edge is very um, chunky. I guess is the best way to say it. It's not a small weapon. It is a massive. Yeah, it is a. Ma- I mean, it's like almost like the Buster Sword esque type thing, okay. but it looks more okay. more hivish, if that makes sense. Um, it's, it looks like a demonic version of the Buster Sword. Uh, Virgil literally can't pick it up. Like he's not strong enough physically to pick it up in most cases. Dante can pick it up. Dante is is strong enough physically to pick it up, and then also he has the strength of will to basically um, subdue it. And Virgil, and you never you never really get to sense in Devil May Cry Five. This kind of gets a little bit more into Devil May Cry Five because there's a couple comments that are made about the the Force Edge, um, but Virgil doesn't really he can't pick it up. And he can't subdue it. Where with Yamato, he is definitely more in more aligned with it. Uh, you also have a. I think the the other sword that Nero has is the Red Queen. Uh, there's a couple other swords that are that are rotating around in the the Devil May Cry universe, and all of them definitely seem to have a degree of sentience and a degree of uh, individual uh, selfness that they kind of pick and choose their own wielder as well so it's it's okay. a, it's like the stereotypical weapon of power it's a it's it's a relationship with your weapon uh not just you know a piece of metal that you pick up and you can use but uh arkham so like when arkham picks up the force edge it actually changes him he he actually mutates into a, like this monstrous figure uh who's like really you know the the anime-esque uh gibbering monster type thing uh he's got like the the, there's a big thing with the demons in devil may cry there's a lot of eyes on them uh which is a very common trope uh that i I wish beard was here because he could probably explain it a lot better as to why that is uh but like when uh when dante and virgil go into what's referred to as devil mode they get a lot of eyes uh, you know, uh, Arkham is a, like, like I said, he's like a gibbering monster type thing, but he's got a lot of eyes. The force edge itself has a massive eye on it. Uh, it's, there's a lot of symbolism there that, you know, is, is really, really quite not, it's a nod towards the, uh, culture that it's being written from. And sadly, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with that particular piece. I know there is, uh, there's a lot of crossover between other Capcom series and Devil May Cry, uh, especially with Bayonetta and Devil May Cry. There's uh, arguably, I think they, I want to say arguably, I they might even take place in the same world. I know that they have talked about doing a crossover game between the two, um, but I don't know if that's because Capcom also does a lot of fighting games and they don't have a big problem meshing characters together that are from completely different universes. Um, right. so I don't, I'm not sure if Bayonetta is technically in the same universe. I, I want to say, I think it is, but I, I don't want to get quoted on that. Um, but yeah, so Arkham, Arkham is, I believe in a, my, a, uh, I don't know if he was a thrall though of, 
uh, Mundus. I didn't see anything about that one or about the be- him being a thrall necessarily. Uh, I do know that he was related to, or he was presented as being related to Lady as her father, but I think he became, I think he was a human. Um, so like most of the thralls, <clears throat> most of the thralls to uh, other demons, they tend to be demons themselves. Uh, Arkham was one of those that he went to, he wanted to become a demon. Uh, he didn't want to, he, you know, so yeah, he, and which is where he was trying to get the force edge because, uh, he was trying to basically evolve, I guess, if you, if that makes sense. Uh, let me pull up this, this, uh, wiki real quick and I'll read, I'll read you the summary that they have on here. Uh, they say Arkham was a scholar and a father of lady who allied himself with Virgil in reviving Timon Nigru and worked to become a demon. After a failed ritual involving sacrificing his wife, Kalyan, he then gained an alter ego known as the Jester. He then became interested in inheriting the power Bad of... Guy. Yeah, he inter- interested in inheriting the power of Sparta, seeking out the sword of Sparta to usher a new age of chaos. He was killed by the combined efforts of Dante and Virgil and his own daughter. Uh, he is the he is recognized as the secondary antagonist of Devil May Cry Three. So Mary is also a super descendant of the priestess that helped close the gate way back in the beginning, like the ritual that helped yes. um, Sparta close <clears throat> the gate. Yeah. So the ritual included a priestess, Sparta himself, and was it the amulet itself? Yeah. Or, yeah. I'm trying to remember. There's three uh, parts. It, of it required it required blood from Sparta. Uh, the the amulet which is where the amulet kind of gets passed down because it's like a it's a basically a safeguard and then yeah uh the priestess that i just blanked on i think yeah it was mary right i think that's what yeah. you just said well the mary mary is the descendant of it oh yeah 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 um let me pull up Sparta real quick. Which she's never, she's not really talked about as Mary in the game. She, her name in the game is Lady most of the time. Well, Lady is the daughter of Mary. Right. But isn't Lady the one that you were talking about with Virgil and Dante? Yes. As far yeah. as... Arkham is her father. Yeah. And then, um, sorry, real quick. You're good. Just I want to make sure that I say this correctly because this this is where it kind of gets a little wonky because this isn't necessarily overtly in game. This is between like uh, collectibles with the with the whole thing with Sparta. Because um, see, yeah, Sparta was a uh, follower of Mundus prior to his rebellion, and um, he rebelled because he did not agree with how Mundus. Uh, was was basically he didn't agree with what Mundus was planning to do with the human world. It's like a reverse of the Michael story, or not Michael story, the Lucifer the story. Lucifer story. Yeah, it's. I mean, in a way, yeah. If you want to look at it that way, it would be like uh, one of the uh, one of the arch demons betraying Lucifer because he he sympathizes with humanity instead. Like is really kind of where that idea comes from. Um, he uh da, 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 da. he sealed here we go uh so he sealed the sparta used his own blah 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 he defeated the hellish host before moving on to the emperor of darkness himself sparta defeated mundus sealed him into a marble vault and what was left of mundus's armies retreated back into the demon world 
In order to close the gateway, Sparta used his own blood along with the blood of a human priestess in conjuncture with his sword and a mystical amulet. So that's what I believe you were talking about there. He poured his demonic energy into his beloved sword to close the door between the realms, the team in Negru. Although this also robbed him of the lion's share of his abilities. As an added measure, he also imprisoned within the tower its gatekeepers, Cerberus, Agni, and Runda, Nevin, Beowulf, and Leviathan, and took the names of the Seven Sins in order to imprison them and set them as seals, keeping the Timonu Gru underground. Later, he sealed a path into Hell and Fortuna using the Yamato, which is the Sword of Virgil later, uh, and Sparta's activities over the next 2,000 years are shrouded in legend, though it is understood that for a time after defeating Mundus, he benevolently ruled over the humans before eventually vanishing. Uh, you get an implication that he did encounter or Burial, which was a demon that you meet later, implies that he'd encountered Sparta when he came into the human world two millennia prior. It is believed later uh, in the 20th century, which is where he fell or he met and fell in love with Eva who bore him two sons and then later Sparta, he would eventually then uh, he eventually died under some unknown circumstances after disappearing yet again. Uh, basically the thing with Sparta is that we really don't know even in game uh, the extent of his powers. Uh, it is believed that, you know, obviously through the presentation of his defeat, that the uh, his powers did surpass that of Mundus. However, um, he didn't kill Mundus. Now, we don't know if that was because he refused to kill him or if he couldn't kill him. Uh, and so there's that, that particular thing. Uh, it is also noted that each of Sparta's legendary accomplishments in life were eventually surpassed by Dante, who is his youngest son. Uh, in the in in basically Dante demolishes the Timingugru, kills Argosax the Chaos, and destroyed the two hell, true Hellgate of Fortuna. So he he didn't just shut the gates; he destroyed all of them. Um, which is where we get the comment about Dante having surpassed Sparta in Devil May Cry when he's chasing uh, Trish as part of the challenge. Now. Also, as part of that challenge, like I was mentioning, that's where Virgil kind of reappears as a thrall to Mundus, and Dante now, con or Dante and Virgil hit like they basically conf they they're conflicting again, um, and it appears that Dante kills Virgil uh, in the in the conclusion of the Devil May Cry game. Uh, you defeat Virgil and you manage to banish Mundus back into the demon world. And also in order in the process of banishing Mundus, he manages to save Trish. Trish is well, freed from. Trish, yeah. I mean, I mean and she, was, and yeah. And she was a double agent ish for a little while. Yeah. Who became like, like arguably working. a triple agent because of. Yeah. Uh, she had a change of heart. Well, and it was. I mean, like, yeah, I guess that's true. Trish, Trish was an equal part of the the saving of herself uh, because of the basically because of what was going on in the fight with um, Dante. If I remember correctly, Dante mm -hmm. was Dante was uh, not doing well. Let's say that, and uh, Trish kind of tried to Trish basically sacrificed herself ultimately, and in doing so, she she was able to open up the possibility of being freed. And then, yeah, it, it yeah. 
yeah. it gets like as you get Welcome into yeah as i was gonna say as you get into like the nitty grittiness of the games it starts getting really really weirdly complicated um <clears throat> the uh you know like Oh, and actually, I did want to make a comment in the devil in the conclusion of Devil May Cry three. That's where we actually get the explanation of the title series or the series title, Devil May Cry, um, because it's upon Dante's uh, return to the human world after his defeat of Virgil and basically banishing his brother into the demon world that Lady makes a comment. Uh, about the devil may cry or even the devil may cry because of the this the the feel the emotional chargedness of the situation and basically dante as a nod to that then opens a business that is based around the extermination of demons and he calls it demon hunting yeah business. yeah it's hey supernatural anyone um no he uh and the name of the business is devil may cry and it's also take they locate it right at the site of uh, Tima Negru, if I remember correctly, because it's in one of the hot spots. Um, <clears throat> Tima Negru is the location of Dante and Bill's fight, like at the top of the tower, essentially. Yeah, it's it's basically one of the major hell gates that exists between the demon world and the human world. So every time, every basically, it's like that location seems to be every time there's something going on, something gets broken in that vicinity, and so. Dante just like was like, all right, well, we'll just set up camp here, basically, because it seems like that's where the entry, the major entry point into the world kind of is for the more powerful figures. Um, let me see. Oh, yes. The other thing with Dante is you'll notice that Dante has a very, very strong fondness for pizza. Oh, God. He him is. And Nero yeah. Both. Him and Nero are pretty much obsessed with pizza. And Dante also uh, likes strawberry sundaes. Uh, it's like in the well, and the reason that that comes from the animated series because in the animated series it's pointed out that those two food groups are pretty much all he eats. Oh, and alcohol, of course. Yes, he is a heavy drinker. He is a very heavy drinker, which all of the main characters in Devil May Cry, to be fair, are pretty heavy drinker. Have we gotten to who Nero is yet? No, because Nero does not get introduced Sorry. until Devil May Cry Four. Uh, so Nero, uh, Nero, Nero is going to be, I, I'm very excited to talk about Nero cause he is very, and he's got a very interesting conclusion, especially in Devil May Cry 5. Um, so yeah, so Devil May Cry, uh, ends with the banishing of Mundus back into the demon world, the freeing of Trish and the supposed killing of Virgil, which I'll come back to in a second. Uh, animated series. Uh, the predominant thing that I was able to kind of gather from the animated series is that this is when we got introduced to Lady. Uh, again, chronologically, this isn't where we get introduced to Lady, um, but this is also where you see the introduction of Lady into the series. So there's events that happen that transition Devil May Cry to Devil May Cry 2. In order for those events to happen, they also introduce the figure of Lady, who then is called back in Devil May Cry 3. If that makes absolutely no sense, I completely understand. Um, so again, chronological order is not the same as the release order of these. Uh, they there there is that little nuance going on there. Um, but that does bring us to Devil May Cry Two. Devil May Cry Two introduces the character of Lucia, uh, who contacts Dante and invites her to meet. Her, basically, invites him to come meet her mother. Uh, 
a, a an invitation that translates into basically Dante learning of the summoning of a demon lord, and Dante, once he learns of this thing, basically can't turn the challenge down. And so what happens is when he goes into pursuit and prevent uh, Dante or from to prevent the demon lord from coming, it leads to Dante jumping into the demon world and for the most part within Devil May Cry 2 becoming trapped within it. Um, this is important because in Devil May Cry 2, this is also where you start seeing Dante really kind of, kind of more taking uh, and diving into his demonic power. Um, <clears throat> he's like he's much more likely to that. Uh, he also it's Devil May Cry 2 is also noticeable as being the one of the very few times that you see Dante not being um, tongue in cheek. He gets very serious by in Devil May Cry too. Um, like his his demeanor, his demeanor still is the laid back demeanor uh, that is very very strong for his character. But in Devil May Cry two, he is very he's he's much more serious. Um, you also see this as the point where it starts shining through that he has he's very much like Sparta in his sense of what is right and wrong, uh, especially with regards to justice. Um, he won't, he, he looks down and actually he himself will refuse to, but he looks down on those who don't fight fair. Uh, Dante will often refuse to fight humans or anybody who are weaker than him. Um, and even though he does, uh, originally kind of, really not he's really not comfortable with his demonic side because of that sense because of that sense of justice and the fair fight he sees a lot of um what goes on with the demonic side of him as being something that is unfair uh so but even though even though he himself is uncomfortable with uh the uh even though he is uncomfortable with his own demonic side it, you see throughout the entire series that Dante really does not have any problem accepting demons who choose to become good and he actually in some in some cases actually admires that desire to become human uh you see this especially with trish uh he he admires that quality in her that um she wants to be more human uh he he is known to say that humans are often worse than demons uh and the uh at least where you stand Right, right. And and in the in the animated series, that's also where you kind of get this introduction to he will refuse to kill humans like he like knowing like he does not believe it or he won't do it because of the belief that that will make him uh, no better than the people that he hunts. Um, you know, that's that's there. And then that also kind of ties into why he kind of pulls punches when it comes to Virgil. He like he constantly is. It's very Thor Loki esque from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like Dante is very similar in the sense that he is constantly trying to um, save Virgil. Like he's he's constantly trying to you know not hurt him to to redeem him to prevent him from you know doing stuff. Uh, you see that in Devil May Cry Five when he finally. I mean, Devil May Cry Five is telling in the sense that Dante finally gets to the point where he's like, the only way this is going to end is if one of us dies, uh, mm-hmm. and that is actually where Nero starts shining. Is is that point, uh, which we'll get to here in a second. 
Um, Devil May Cry, so that's Devil May Cry 3 is Dante, or Devil May Cry 2. Um, <clears throat> Dante gets trapped in the demon world. You start seeing, you see that Dante has matured as a character. Um, he's still, now, when you get to Devil May Cry 4, you get the reintroduction of Dante as the, you know, the, forgive me, the smart like he he's still definitely that figure and he kind of goes back to the devil may care attitude but um you do see that glimmer of no there is actually something within dante and devil may cry too um yeah chat's talking about the devil may cry 5 nod of cerberus we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there because i actually really like that nod um dante okay so devil may cry 4 brings us back into the human world uh, Dante and Trish are now looking at a rumor of a corrupted member of the Order of the Sword, which if you remember from the beginning when we were talking about Sparta, this was the religious sect that was created by Sparta kind of in order to help protect the world. Well, now there's rumors of corruption within the Order. Um, and through this exploration of these rumors, uh, you actually are introduced to Nero. Uh the telling thing about Nero is, uh, well, Nero is the son of Virgil. Virgil is Nero's father. And Nero wield What? I thought Nero is the son of Dante. No. Virgil is Nero's really? father. Yeah, which is why, which is, Weird. which is what comes, <clears throat> which, which makes what Virgil does to Nero even worse. Um, because, surprise, Virgil's not really dead. Uh, but Nero is currently the owner of Yamato, who is the sort of power that Virgil wielded for the large majority of it. Uh, it is also here that you see Virgil, Virgil reappear and uh, cut off the hand or the arm of Nero. He takes Nero's arm and Yamato, which is fun because it's like, wow, okay. <clears throat> that you know that was that was thing and i think if i remember correctly nero does remember uh his father i'm trying to make sure because yeah and black flag and chat's talking about that uh dante dante is nero's basically proxy father um okay. he he basically he basically cause... raises he he raised nero once he found out about him um while Virgil is definitely his biological, it's it's like the situation. Virgil is his biological father. Uh, Dante is actually his his family. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember if you see the arm removed in four. I want to say he's got the arm removed in four. Uh, what is it called? The trigger. Devil trigger. Devil trigger. That's, That's uh, Nico or uh, Nicolette created that for him. Do, 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 do. I played a time. Five was five was really really nice, um, but yeah. So similar similar to Dante and Virgil, because of his uh, because of his blood relation to Sparta, he does have uh, demonic capabilities or demonic abilities. Um, for the most part, in four at least, he was very um, very anti his uh, devil his demonic abilities. He did not, he considered it a curse. Um, and I know the devil bringer was his arm. I'm trying to see. Cause the devil bringer, I think was when his arm was removed. Sorry. I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I don't speak out of turn with the devil bringer. No, you're good. Cause I'm trying to remember if the devil bringer was something that he was born with, or if it was something that he acquired. 
because <clears throat> basically, okay, so de- the Devil Bringer, when I'm talking, while I'm talking about, while I'm looking, the Devil Bringer was Nero's right arm. Uh, and basically, yes. it's the, it looks like a, it originally looked like a, a, uh, uh, reptile, reptile esque thing. I think he was he was born with it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, basically, it's like this. It, it it's the proverbial like devilish looking skin and all this, and it's got like a uh, weird power. I I don't know. It's very very stereotypical. You know, corruption power. Blah blah blah. Um, and for the most part, in Devil May Cry Four, Nero kept it hidden. Um, and he didn't like it. He didn't, uh, you know, he, he resented it. Uh, he, for the most part, he thought that he was cursed with it. Um, and around the end of Devil May Cry 4, that's when he actually kind of starts seeing it as a tool instead of a curse. Um, unfortunately, right before Devil May Cry 5 begins, this arm is forcibly taken. It's actually ripped off by Virgil, uh, who steals the arm and Yamato. Uh, now in Devil May Cry five, the, uh, the figure of Nico has been, or Nico is introduced and she brings, I want to say it's the devil. I think they still call it devil bringer. Uh, but I think it might, I'm trying to remember. Yes, Valtus in chat. Yeah, that's where I'm kind of, I'm like, the Devil Bringer is like really weird because there is a weird connection to Yamato because that's why Virgil, Virgil steals the arm uh, and then you see Virgil having having absorbed the arm. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and also the thing is with the Devil Arm or the Devil Bringer, um, the only thing that it seems to be able to damage it is the Yamato. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it, there's, there's a really kind of its own little nuanced story behind the devil bringer that I, that I wasn't planning on jumping directly into. Um, but anyways, so, so right before devil may cry five, uh, you see, a, you see a cutscene of Nero in a garage and, a car- a figure in hood or a figure in a cloak approaches and Nero in standard format kind of is like what what the hell do you want and the figure rips his arm off like literally rips his arm off and then also takes Yamato with him and disappears now it it later comes to fruit or later comes to light that this figure was Virgil who was looking for a way to reacquire power which is very stereotypical with Virgil and this is getting into Devil May Cry 5 which I'm I'm I'm, I'm much more at least more familiar with cuz I just have currently reviewed it um the other stuff, like the other, the other ones, I'm, I was doing mostly off distant memory, and I apologize if I got anything wrong on those. Devil May Cry Five, um, I'm a little bit more comfortable talking about it. So, anyways, uh, Virgil's introduced, uh, though we don't know it's Virgil at the time. He rips Devil Bringer away from Nero uh, and and takes it and Yamato. Uh, this injury basically also solidifies a relationship between Nero and Nico. Uh, Nico is the uh, the ancestor of the same weaponsmith who created Ivory and Ebony for Dante. Who are those? Are his two pistols, the two very powerful pistols. Um, she is related by blood to that. I think that was her grandmother or her mother. I can't remember which one the exact relationship there. But Nico then takes a challenge, takes the challenge, and creates a artificial uh, cybernetic uh, arm for Nero. 
and the cybernetic arm allows him to continue fighting uh, with, I think it's Red Queen at the time. I don't think it's Rebellion at that moment. Um, I want to say it's Red Queen, the sword Red Queen, uh, which is another, uh, it's not as uh, powerful uh, as Yamato or Force Edge, but it's another kind of, it's another really powerful one of the, uh, okay, thank you, Sveltis, in chat. Uh, it says in the guidebook that Nero was born with the Devil Bringer. Thank you very much. Um, but so the introduction to Devil May Cry 5 is where you actually also see a deviation from Dante being the primary uh, protagonist. Nero starts taking over almost hat, like there, there is a equal share between Dante and Nero. Nero is introduced as, uh, you know, when you first start fighting with him, you get the, uh, the red queen, I believe is the sword. Um, yeah, thank you, black flag. Yes. The red queen, uh, red queen is where he starts fighting and you start figuring out that the, basically the situation is that Dante was approached by, uh, an unknown figure named V and, uh, just keep that in mind. And V presents the oper- presents the situation as a a powerful force is trying to break into the human world from the demon world. This is this is a force that is even more powerful and more dangerous than Mundus, um, and that's all that he will say. But Dante, uh, Trish, Lady, and V all four go into the Hellgate in order to stop the attacks that are starting against the human world. Uh, Nero starts, Nero comes in after to help as well, but only gets there in time to see Dante, Trish, and Lady have been all completely pretty much knocked askew. V is no longer there. V had, uh, basically he saw the fight and saw that it wasn't going well and told them that he was going to go get reinforcements, uh, which is kind of, you kind of get the feeling that he went and got Nero. Uh, and then Nero and him come back in, uh, in time to see Dante get basically destroyed, uh, by this, this character, uh, who is Urian, I think is what his name is at the time. Dante at this point makes a comment about Nero being dead weight and tells V to get him out, uh, which Nero actually gets really pissed about, uh, because he doesn't appreciate being called dead weight. Um, and that actually, that comment is continuously brought up through Devil May Cry. Um, sorry, uh, Svaltus. Yeah, okay, okay, thank you. Um, uh, so Nero actually uses the, the the dead weight comment throughout the majority of Devil May Cry 5 as kind of a catalyst for getting Dante because he's like, no, I'm going to show him that I'm not dead weight. Um, and so throughout the the game basically you uh you play as don or as nero and v you split between nero and v to uh get back into the um the basically the the tower that the main the main bad is situated in uh at which point you find the force edge and dante and this introduces uh dante as basically being it, you kind of see dante in his full power um, and that leads into the revelation that what had happened was Virgil in his quest for power had used Yamato and basically killed himself with Yamato. 
Except it didn't kill him. What he did was when he stabbed himself with Yamato, it actually segregated his demonic side from his human side. V is the human humanity piece of Virgil. And uh, I want to say it's like Urian or something uh, is the demon piece. And so that's where it's like you, you, he cut out his humanity. Yeah. Uh, Svaltus in chat. He cut out his humanity. Um, <clears throat> and, in doing so, the creature, the creature that he that he uh, that was left, the demon part, is completely evil. Like it's completely un, un unfettered, has no compul- like has no compassion. Urizen, thank you, uh, nothing. And so, because of that, he has no problem doing what he needs to do to gain more and more power. Um, and so, basically, what happens is Dante gets he basically does a similar thing with uh force edge uh he stabs himself with force edge he ascends because he absorbs the force edge into himself which is something that is uh, very interesting uh because where yamato is supposed to uh sever force edge is kind of it's not really the opposite but it doesn't quite do that but dante becomes the sword and then because of that, he gets he gains the power of the sword, which increases his power and gives him the ability to conflict with Urizen. In the process of fighting Urizen, Dante actually manages to defeat Urizen, uh, giving V the opportunity to surprise, betray everybody, and reabsorb Urizen into himself. Once Urizen has been reabsorbed into V, he becomes Virgil once again. However, he is no longer Virgil as a like as a weak he's not really a thrall but um he uh he he's reborn basically and he has the power of yamato again he's got you know all the power that he has acquired through uh he he consumes an item at the end of devil may cry 5 that is basically uh the unadulterated collection of uh what's equivalent of like soul power uh because that's one of the reasons demons hunt humans is they acquire power through the blood of humans uh through sacrifice and all that uh so there is an item that basically condenses all that power into a a like it's like a blood fruit type thing uh Urizen consumes that right before dante defeats him well then v reabsorbs Urizen after he has so like Urizen absorbs that power and then V absorbs Urizen. So now Virgil has the superpower of Urizen and himself. And basically that's where Dante as yes, Sfaltus, uh, devil sword Dante and Virgil then go head to head. And this is where you get into the really fun part with Nero, because it's when these two are con when these two brothers are going just full out at each other. Cause this is also where I was making a comment. Dante kind of is like, okay, look, you're not going to stop. Like, this is obviously you've betrayed me enough times. Uh, you, you have sh- like, it's just basically, he's kind of ex- coming to accept the fact that Virgil is going to never, Be a jerk. well, he's, it's just like, in order to save people from Virgil, he's going to have to kill Virgil, which is not something he makes the decision of lightly, but it's also kind of like Dante's not getting younger. You kind of see that with Double May Cry 5. Dante is presented as an elderly, not an elderly, an older figure. He's not the young figure. Yeah, he's not He's not the young uh, buck that he was in Double May Cry. Uh, and 
he's like, you know, it basically is like, look, this has got to end. This has got to stop. Uh, but it's because of, yeah, it's false. Thank you. Middle age. Let's go with that one. That's a good compromise. Uh, it's because of this conflict, actually, that Nero uh, is basically kind of forced to uh, really embrace his true demonic powers. Um, and so you see like this just awesome cutscene at the end of Devil May Cry 5 where Nero, so they're fighting, uh, Dante and Virgil are fighting. And it's like the most aggravating fight to watch. But they're fighting and Dante, Dante's actually going, like Dante is holding his own if not doing a little bit better. And right as they are going in for the kill blow for each other, Nero jumps in between the two of them in his own form. Uh, and basically the, this determination, this this will to save his family, like he, he finally kind of like, uh, it kind of clicks that Virgil is actually his father, but Dante is the guy who raised him and like that realization of this is his family and he can't stop like he doesn't want the two of them to kill each other as he kind of realizes that that determination really kind of resonates within him and allows him to a regrow regrow his uh right arm and it not only does that but it also brings back all the powers of the devil bringer uh into him without corrupting his arm so he has a normal arm he's got all his powers and then he jumps in between uh, Virgil and Dante as his own form of demon. Um, and then, yeah, and so then he basically just not, it's just like the, oh my God, like if you if you don't do anything else, I definitely re- recommend going to watch this cutscene because it's just hilarious watching Nero just knock the two of them around. Um, Dante, Dante even like, he gets he gets uh slapped by nero and dante like just just like he's like nope nope i'm good like i I, that nearly killed me i'm i'm all right like he calls it just from the beginning um but then what happens is after he stops them it basically gets revealed that in order for them to actually save the human world uh they have to cut i can't remember what the uh Oh my gosh, I can't remember. There's this this plant that's the entire point of this plant is to create this fruit that uh, Urizen was searching for. Uh, and it's a plant that grows from the demon world into the human world. And so they can't rip it. They can't cut the plant. They have to go into the demon world to destroy it. Well, Nero was going to go and then Dante or Virgil was like, no, I'm going to go. And Dante's like, well, I'm going to have to go to make sure that you actually do what you say you're going to do because you're obviously like, you're the part, you're the reason why all this is happening. So Dante and Virgil basically knock Nero back and then they jump into the demon world and it closes behind them where they then cut the plant down. They, and the game kind of ends, uh, after the cut scene or after the credits on Devil May Cry five, you see, uh, the situation that's currently now taking place is Nero is fighting on the human world side and cleaning up the problem. Um, he's he's basically cleaning up the problem there. Uh, Dante and Virgil are as apparently locked in constant battle with each other, but they're constantly right as every time they start, like one of them gets the the upper hand, they keep getting interrupted by other demons. 
So they're constantly, they're like, they're in this like demonic form of Valhalla where they're constantly fighting each other and then they have to join forces to bite, to beat off the, the attack. And then as soon as they're done fighting the attack, they turn back and they start fighting each other again. It's like, and of course they're like keeping points, which is between, of course they are, I mean, it's, it's, oh my God, it's, it's like, I'm like, oh my God, this is such a sibling rivalry. Um, and then uh, you get you like, and then you're also you see uh, Trish and Lady have taken over for the most part have taken over Devil May Cry, and they are now taking jobs uh, to keep the rent basically to keep the shop open. But that's really, I mean, that's a really quick rundown, and I'm sure I've missed a number of points. But there's there's lots of nuance type thing too. The big thing with this game is that there's a, as much humor as there is darkness, which is kind of fun. Not like it. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, one of the, one of the humor things is like the reason they have to keep um, the reason they have to keep doing jobs is because the the guy Morrison, who is their like broker, is also the is also their um, landlord, <laughs> and he keeps turning off the power. Because they keep not paying the power bill, and he's like, "The power bill's got to get paid, guys." And like every time they're like, "Oh, fine, we'll do a job," and he like will credit them power, and it's like, it's like it's just like Devil May Cry Five starts with everything in darkness on the on double on the building, and Morrison walks in, and Dante's like just sitting there because uh, I'm trying to remember who. It's like bad I, film noir. Yeah, no, well, it was funny because like his phone's dead. And apparently, I God, man, I can't remember, but someone's bugging him to go to a birthday party and he doesn't want to go. And like, he's like, I don't, I have no inclination to get the power back because then that means I have to, um, he, he, uh, means that he also has to, uh, go to the birthday party and Morrison's like, yeah, but here's your power. And he turns on the power, the rate, the phone starts ringing. And basically that's how Morrison introduces V is because Dante's like, please give me an excuse not to go to this party. And Morrison's like, well, actually, I have this job here. And then, yeah, Savaltis. Uh, it turns out at the end, once Dante... Now, Dante and Virgil are trapped in the demon world. Uh, apparently, Dante didn't trust Trish or Lady, so he gave the deed to Devil May Cry to Morrison, or the building to Morrison, because he's like, oh I don't trust God. the two... There were some choice words being said, and Morrison's like, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, ladies, don't trust the two... That was so funny. Um but yeah, and so then like they're like they're like, well, we don't have to do what you say, and like as they're arguing with him, the power goes out, and he's like, power bills gotta get paid. <laughs> it's I kind of like Morrison. Morrison's fun. Oh, rip my voice. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to remember if I. I mean, there's there's so many events that happen, like not just in the game, but also like outside the game you know like you know red grave city the, incident and what's up who's the creator of this game this the... uh capcom was the predominant name uh ninja theory did do devil may cry dmc uh but right. again that was not that the... that one it, it... a lot of people don't a lot of people canon. well it's not considered canon it's considered an alternate storyline because dante like so Dante is often presented with silver hair and in Devil May Cry DMC, he doesn't have like, it's not Dante. Like it, it's a character named Dante, but like, it, it's really weird. Like it, it's, it, it is Devil May Cry, but it's not canonical Devil May Cry. Um, 
and there's a lot of controversy slash debate about like where exactly they were going with it but ultimately ultimately it's not canonically within the series storyline as the main titles and with devil may cry 5 having come out um i'm trying to remember dmc was 2013 and then devil may cry was 2019 with devil may cry 5 coming out and and just recently devil may cry 5 goes back into the world of devil may cry 4 so they don't they don't acknowledge devil may cry dmc and devil may cry 5 uh which is where you also see the kind of the nod that um it's not it's not that it doesn't exist, but it's like the it's like an, it's it, the way I view it is like in Marvel comics, how you have like the the perennial uh, Civil War, you know, events that kind of are like, here's a here's a fun little thought exercise for the story, uh, but it's not canonically within the story, really. That's kind of what I kind of get the feeling that DMC was. Um, but the creator was Hideki Kamiya. Uh, and I mean, to be fair, this, this series was first released in like 2001. I mean, this is an 18 year old series. It's, it's, it's got a good amount of information built Time. into it. Yeah. This fault is, <laughs> Cry DMC is the awkward stepchild that no one talks about. Um, I'm trying to see <clears throat> Quillfloth. That quick Quill Foth is the plant that I was thinking of for Devil May Cry Five. The plant that yeah, looking for, well, or? the plant that creates. Hang on, real quick. I will get the term because, as you can imagine, some of the demonic world terms are really interesting. <clears throat> uh, the Quillfoth is a tree that existed before the birth of the underworld itself and grows a fruit that imbues a demon with divine power. Uh, even Mundus himself needed this fruit to become king of the underworld. It thrives on human blood and whose blood it sucks turns into lifeless husks. Husk. Wow. Um, okay. So it's a Venus flytrap of death. Yeah. The, the, the title of the thing in the, the, um, bop, 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 bop. What's the word that I'm looking for? Guidebook. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, for Quilfoth is blood slicked vegetation. It is vegetation. a demon plant, and Urzin summoned it to the human world to in order to create the demonic fruit in order to gain uh, gain the divine power. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. There were and and kind of a nod there. Black flag. Uh, there is a there is a nod to Yggdrasil in the fact that the Quilfoth has a parasite within it that you can use to open up various doors called the Nidhog, uh, which is connected to the Yggdrasil. The Yggdrasil that isn't that a Norse mythology. Yes, uh, that's the world that connects the nine realms. Or sorry, that is the tree that connects the nine realms. Wow, sorry. There we go. I was like, did that, I? Yeah, like, my my brain is kind of all over the place at the moment. Don't want me to be like that next month. Um, but I'm trying to see because, like, because again, because it's a Capcom game, there's a lot of crossover, and I'm trying to remember because I want to say that I'm trying I'm trying to remember what games it does actually cross over into. And I cannot remember for the life of me. I apologize for that. Do, 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 do. You mentioned the bayonet. Well, yeah, because Possible the crossover. the bayonetta bayonetta is very um, uh, it's very similar 
to the feel of uh, Devil May Cry. Um, I'm just trying to remember if it actually, actually, uh, sorry, it, it like the the figure of Bayonetta. Like I'm, I'm almost. I mean, I need to put Bayonetta on the extra lore too because Bayonetta has beard would love you. Like and and again because it's a Capcom series, you know, the All Star Battle Royale and the Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom. You know, like a lot of these fighting games, they have Devil May Cry characters in there. But I would, I mean, I strongly argue that it's not. That doesn't mean, that's not that's not canonical. That's just as like them, you know, being business there. But they they have made a comment and I'm looking for if the comment if I can find it real quick, because um, I'm really if I remember he made there. One of the creators made a comment about being interested in doing a uh, crossover between uh, Bayonet, Bayonetta and Devil May Cry, which makes me think that they might be in at least a similar universe. But I can't. For the life of me, find it, Edmund. Oh, yeah. K- uh, Kayama, now working at Platinum Games, has expressed interest in making a remake of the first installment as well as a crossover game featuring Dante and Bayonetta. So, I mean, again, you know, there's there's a... does What does that mean? You know, all that. Um, because Bayonetta, I believe, is not Capcom. I'm trying to real quick to look at look this up. Uh, yeah, it's Platinum Games, Sega, Nintendo. Uh, so yeah, they're not they're not the same universe necessarily. Cool. All right, so I found that out. Uh, and yes, I, I will actually now that I'm talking about that, I will put Bayonetta on the extra lore because that is a that is another really. It's just a really a lot of these a lot of these series have just so much symbolism in them. Um, you know, it's it's like. With with Devil May Cry, you have you know Green. You were kind of commenting on it, like you have this really cool combina- combination of a character who is very anti-hero, but he has a really strong sense of justice, uh, and you know that's kind of what his is his redeeming qualities in a way. And then you also have this really unique blend of of humor and satire, but at the same time it's tackling topics and 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 you know storylines that are very mature and very very somber um you know like i said you know at the end of devil may cry 3 the naming convention of the entire series is explained because dante actually breaks down and cries because he wasn't able to save virgil and lady uh makes the comment about hey it's okay even devils may cry and that's where the Devil May Cry, you know, the business in game and the actual series kind of title kind of comes from is that even devils may cry. And it's and so there's this like there's this kind of uh, a really cool little message there as well. Um, I know you also had mentioned, you know, the the cool looking or the, the really fun con, uh, debate over the concept of uh, nature, versus nature. nature versus nurture, because you see that with Virgil and Dante. Um, now, granted, you don't we don't really fully get a picture of like the nuances of how they were raised. Virgil is the older sibling. Uh, Dante is the youngest sibling. Um, but we do know that they obviously reacted to the trauma that they've experienced throughout their lives very differently. Virgil becomes very, uh, almost too, uh, he, he becomes almost sociopathic 
in his pursuit of power, you know, in a way, you know, and maybe, maybe in a way to defend himself from ever being hurt again. Whereas Dante internalizes that trauma and makes it where it's kind of like, you know, he wants to prevent other people from being hurt if he can, or at least, or at least not necessarily that, but at least he wants to make sure that justice is given, you know, justice needs to be given. And also you see with Dante, this refusal to, uh, to do to battle with people who are weaker than him he doesn't believe in that he doesn't believe in the 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 strong picking on the weak uh which kind of ties back to mundus is the killer of eva well mundus was the king of the underworld you know a single human woman was not able to withstand him and so there's like this whole thing of like you know virgil virgil internalizes that trauma very significantly different than dante does Dante saw it as a dark and a, an abomination. Virgil, you know, I can't, I mean, just from what I've seen, it's kind of like Virgil might have seen that as, oh, this is the way of the world and I have to become this in order to survive. Whereas Dante saw it as this is the way of the world and I'm going to fight against that because that's not okay. It's it's that, but, and, and that goes, yeah, that goes back into the, is that nature or is that nurture? I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, you can go both ways on that because Dante does kind of have, it's called out that Dante is very similar to Sparta in the sense that um, he has a sense of justice, but then yeah, Black Flag is pointing out that Virgil arguably is the sense of vengeance, you know, and, and both of them, right. Both of them in, 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 in an, that in a unfiltered, unadulterated form, both of those are wrong. Justice without yes. justice without morality is dangerous. Vengeance without justice is dangerous, which is why again you see the two characters being given half of the same token. They need each other to balance each other out, and that's that's kind of another like symbol that's going on within that series. Is Dante needs Virgil. Virgil needs Dante. Like as much as it as much as they hate like dealing with each other, they do actually balance each other out because they are really two sides of the same coin in the sense that they are also on a power level able to withstand each other. They're actually able to keep each other in check. <clears throat> sorry, my throat, my throat is uh, right. And yeah, sorry, black flag is also, yeah, that's, that's also, you see that as the point of being like every single major crisis that gets solved in the series requires, requires both of them to be there. Like you can't, there, there is no, there is never a solution achieved without both of them being present and usually having to work together even even though they get really pissy with each other gotta love that brother Mm -hmm. and nero yeah and nero is the best i i'm really actually after uh chats talking about how nero is related to him like after um looking or watching the ending of devil may cry 5 i'm gonna be i'll be honest nero I am really excited to see where they take Nero's um, character because um, because yeah, Nero seems to be the perfect balance between both of them, and which makes sense. Nero has the 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 familial uh, the upbringing. He has the upbringing Dante of Dante and, and the and the nature yeah, the, yeah, the nature of Virgil. Like he's got the it's it's a really interesting thing. Um, Chat was asking about the origin of Devil May Cry. Um, 
the origin of the name the for Devil May Cry, the shop, uh, the origin of the name comes from the words Lady used to comfort Dante over Virgil's loss in Devil May Cry 3. Dante later renames the store to Devil Never Devil Never Cry based on what he himself told to comfort Trish, although he does eventually change the name back. Trish is such a She gets into so much trouble. <laughs> she does. It's so great. Like, <laughs> Trish, Trish has some like... Trish and Nero get into so much trouble. Yeah, Nero Nero is like I mean, and Nero is presented as like the young I mean, he's he's a he's a young demon hunter. So it's kind of like kind of playboy-esque too. Yeah, he he constantly is getting in he's on he's constantly just like he won't say no to a challenge basically. Um but yeah, uh Trish is identified as a fiendish femme fatale. Uh accurate. Yeah, yeah, she is. I'm trying to see the call out for Trish really, and this is where um <clears throat> this is where Dante kinda is is not really able to say I Dante's not really able to say no to Trish. Um yeah, and Black Flag just said it in chat. D- Trish is a demoness that looks identical to Dante's mom. She looks just like Eva. Um and so that's also where she uses that to get uh, past Dante's defenses when she first is introduced to him. Um, trying to see where that was because yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, she originally was presented as cruel and uncaring, but however, after being saved, uh, she did begin to develop emotions and compassions towards Dante. Uh, and then, yeah, she eventually sacrificed herself to save him from Mondas's attack. Uh, after being revived, Trish joins Dante, uh, as a partner for the shop, though by the time of the animated series, she does have she has gone off on her own, and then she when she comes back, she uh, brings back Lady. That's how Lady gets reintroduced into the series. Um, do, 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 do. She used to she had been and she had infiltrated the Order of the Sword, uh, which is something she like constantly makes fun of. Uh, yeah, she likes she likes getting in fights. Which is another common common theme. Are there any other major characters besides those? Uh, I mean, we talked about those four. Yeah, like there's Trish, Dante, there's, Virgil, uh, Dante, Virgil, Nero, Dante, Virgil, Nero. V is the, uh, the landlord. Yeah, Morrison, Trish, uh, Lucia is a character that uh, I think that was in Devil May Cry Two. Lucia was in. Uh, Lucy was an interesting character because she was kind of like a homunculus. She was a mannequin demon. Um, Mm -hmm. she, uh, actually, she actually went as far as to betray the father figure, um, or creator, uh, that was, she, she betrayed her creator in order to save Dante basically. Um, and she became a devil hunter or D uh, yeah, devil hunter, which is, uh, basically what they're called uh, demon hunters are called in devil may cry um i can't remember if i want to say she's still in around she's not in devil may cry five uh yeah because okay the last last we heard from her um according to the guidebook is several years uh so after dante returns from hell and the events of devil may cry four take place we hear that a demon's demon by the name of Argosax uh, sends a right his right hand man Balrog uh, into the human world. Uh, Lucia, under the orders of Matir, is sent to deal with the demon. 
So as far as <clears throat> what she where she is currently, I believe we do not have any confirmation um, at all. Though in the there is a novel uh, Double May Cry Five before the Nightmare, uh, where. Dante reunites with Lucia to defeat Balrog, and that's also where we kind of get the sense that uh, Lucia has some feelings for Dante as well. So, but yeah. So, and I will I will also link uh, the wiki that I that I use. I mean, again, a big shout out to the the guys who keep these wikis updated because, geez, some of these things are I mean convoluted. convoluted as all get out. Um, oh, really quick. I tried listening to a video on it the other day. It gets, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, you know, just after, after a game's been around for 18 years, it just, there's, right. there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's just, there's a yeah. lot of nuances. Um, real quick. I did mention Nico. Uh, Nico is predominantly built in Devil May Cry 5 uh, as a supporting character. I am, I don't, I don't know. I am not a fan of Nico's voice. Um, I, I can't, I honestly, I, I'm just not a, I'm not a fan of it. I don't know why, but her voice doesn't match her, her, her like when I was watching Persona? it, well, no, when I was watching the, the, uh, the cutscenes of Devil May Cry 5, the, the voice of her does not match her present like her presentation does not match her voice like in my brain it just was like it was not connecting (laughs) it just wasn't connecting for me um but other than that i love her her, like her attitude her her character is just great she's got a a amazing sense of humor um and she's like addicted to constantly being uh she constantly tinkers with things so she's constantly like building new weapons for nero um like tina Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Exactly. Uh, But with demon parts, like she'll she'll uh, Tiny Tina had access. Well, and that's that's absolutely a terrifying thought. But um, uh huh. That's just absolutely terrifying now. Um, but let me see. Uh, Nell Goldston. Yeah, Nell Goldston was her grandmother, and Nell Goldston was the uh, weaponsmith who created. Uh, the, um, uh, the ebony and ivory pistols. Uh, so Nico has a bit of, uh, existing history with weapon creation and with that kind of that supernatural thing, the cybernetic type stuff. So it's really kind of a really cool thing. Um, yeah, asphalt. <laughs> she can park. So, so Devil May Cry Five. There's like a constant running gag that Nico keeps trying to kill Nero with the van that she's driving because, oh like, God. it's like it is so funny. There are so many times where, like, man, I wish we needed some support, and just like this giant trailer van <laughs> just comes crashing out of the middle of nothing. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it just, it's hilarious. The the DMC Motorhome, I think, is what it's called it's just it's really funny because yeah she can park that van anywhere it's ridiculous how how well she drives that thing sliding into the one parking space yeah parallel parking the one time she actually i think they actually nearly hit nero nero like gives her grief and nico's nico's immediate response is i'm not driving ladies driving and like (laughs) and ladies like behind the wheel you just see this like hi it's like oh god Oh man! The yeah. one-time lady drives. Yeah, the one-time lady drives is the reason why we don't let lady drive. 
Uh, yes, and she is. Nico is also immediately starstruck by Dante, mostly because she's heard like all these like m- amazing stories about him. Uh, this is where you get the Michael Jackson nod Easter egg thing in Devil May Cry Five because Nico makes Dante a like fedora hat. Um, and when she gives it to him, that's where the really uncomfortable dance scene happens with Dante. And it's like, I'm like, I don't. Is that the uncomfortable dance scene that was all over the internet? Yes. Yes. Oh my Ah, God. ah, I'm like, no, no, Dante, you never make that noise again. Oh my God. That was awful. Oh my God. That cutscene. That cutscene was just like, and it was so disjointed too. Like. Not 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 in a bad way, but it was like they're in the middle of gearing up for the final fight, and like they're getting ready to go into the final fight, and this this cutscene happens, and then Dante's like at the end of it, he's like, "Yeah, I'm keeping this hat." Bye, and he runs off, and it's like, "Wait, what? Like, just, what just happened?" I'm so confused. <laughs> and yeah, chat. It's, it was just like it was such. It was so Dante. Like it was like they gave him a hat, and his immediate thing is uncomfortable dance scene. Um, I, yeah, and I think chat saying that the this the southern twang that kind of was off putting is due to her oh, uh, her father Ag- Agnes Agnes, um, which apparently there's a not a lot of love lost between the two of them. Uh, which interestingly enough might be why she feels so connected to Nero because. Nero is the one that killed her father. Uh, that was in... Oh, because... Okay, all right. Now that I'm diving into this one. Agnes was one of the secondary antagonists in Devil May Cry 4 uh, and actually was one of the corrupt figures uh, in the Order of the Sword. The Swarder? The Order of the Sword? The Swarder? The Swarder. The Swarder. Uh, he's also... Also, they... Uh, they note that, oh, Nico's stutter. She has a stutter, a little stutter. Um, she also gets that from Agnes. And yeah, Lux in chat is making a point. That's also why Nero kind of trusts Nico is because of the the no love lost. Uh, Angus does eventually transform into a demon, I believe. Yeah, the one-eyed Dark Knight is the demon form that Nero puts down. So fun fun fact there uh as far as other characters i'm trying to just really quick um morrison we talked about sparta we talked about mundus a little bit arkham talked about him mr creepy jester man um let's see i mean locations there's a huge number of locations uh trying to see Redgrave city uh, Redgrave City is the major city that um, Devil May Cry 5 takes place. Uh, and this is also where the Quilthrop, Quilt, Quilthrop uh, is. This is where you, like, this is the predominant thing. Plant. Yeah, this, yeah, this was the plant. Um, and so basically this is also, you know, um, um, just making sure I have everything. It seems like... Uh, Redgrave City was kind of inspired by London, interesting enough. Um, there's a lot of references to, I guess, the developers actually went and studied the actual city of London to create the the game city, which is really interesting, actually. Um, uh, chat, 
Yes. Yeah. Chat said Trish. Uh, we talked about Trish. Um, just trying to see any other major, major components. Um, we talked about the difference between human world and the demon world. Uh, trying to just make sure. Uh, really quick, there was that. Okay, we talked about that. Team in the Gru. Um, I think we're, I think for a summary point, I think that was pretty good. I try, I mean, the thing, the thing is, and again, yeah, and I mean, like, there's, I mean, there's, yeah, chat's talking about uh, demonic arms and stuff, um, and like devil arm and the devil triggers and stuff like that, and that's like, that gets, I mean, that can get complicated really fast. Uh, Basically, it's, it's stemming from the difference between demonic species, like, the way they explain it is that there's humanity and then there's demons, uh, they're kind of portrayed as uh, different species. Uh, so, like, they're not when they are and they are not the, like, more Western kind of perception of a demon. It's not like a fully supernatural thing. These are actual physical creatures. They just exist in a different realm. And so it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic that you have to kind of enter the, enter the series understanding that it's not a... Uh, it's not a Christian, you know, Western culture perception of the demon. It's a more uh, holistic view of what is going on here. You have the subjugation of a human or the the earth or world of light by the world of darkness. Uh, and both of them are equally physical and equally real. It's just how they interact that is different. And you see different uh, strengths and weaknesses on both sides. Uh, humans tend to be more numerous. Demons are more powerful. Uh, and, and so you also get like a sense of demons are generally like even the, like the higher level demons. Uh, you'll see a lot of unemotional qualities, whereas with humans, you have the emotion and the, you know, the, the ability to hope and love and all this stuff, which is very, very typical of those particular things. Uh, you also see humans as being the source of a lot of power uh, with the whole um, sacrificial requirements and all that. Um, but yeah, and so that's that's really kind of, I mean, I, I didn't really want to dive into that particular piece, even though those are very important inside the story, because it's like, you know, those stem from the, the half-bloodedness, if you will, of the main characters, Dante and Virgil are are demonically, or they they are demonic, but they are also human. They can they can transcend both worlds. Uh, Nero is also the same. Nero has the blood of Sparta within him, but also has you know predominantly human. He's 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 got much more human blood in him. Uh, and then you see characters like Trish. You see characters who are fully demon who but have chosen to to act more human uh you see uh you know and then different different figures on that nature um yeah i I think that i like i said i'm gonna link the wiki that i used i use predominantly to look up stuff i'll link that in the show notes for sure um big shout out to the team that runs that one this is one of the the fandom wikis that you know just i i've just i found that a lot of these guys or a lot of these teams really that run these things are just they they do amazing work they do i mean predominantly just the amount of information that they are collating together and making sure is at least digestible for the most part is 
I, I can't speak highly enough of the the time and the effort that goes into to managing and creating these things. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I guess that's where I'm going to kind of nod to green and say, you want to do shout outs? Let's do it. So what do you, what shout outs you got this? My shout outs are Gambit Prime, uh, is I bling up. I don't think it's yet. I, th- I think it's Anubis. Yes. Who's putting it on. Good luck to all of that. And if you kind of fun to watch and see all the different strats and how together in a competitive setting, because we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen a Gambit like this. And thanks to Bungie for giving us uh, Private Mim a lot easier. It's fun. It's fun to do private matches and go in and wreck your friends. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, again, my uh, my shout out is to the guys who did who I referred to earlier, the Double May Cry Wiki team. Um. Again, amazing, amazing work. I think this particular wiki has over a thousand pages. That is, I mean, they're just the information again is is significant if you guys have any interest in the devil may cry series from my really 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 rough shot and you know ultimately poor summary here i would strongly recommend going there uh there's a number of you know youtubers who have done really really good jobs of putting together i guess they're called uh cutscene movies um, which is basically where they take all the cutscenes from a particular game and put it together as in a movie. And it really does a pretty good job of, uh, for most of these, doing a, a good summary of that particular title. Uh, there's a really good one for Devil May Cry 5. I will try, I'll, I'll link that one in the show notes as well. It's, it's about three hours, I will say that, uh, because the individual who did it, and I blanking on the guy's name and i'm so sorry i will like i said i will link this in the show notes uh but the individual who did it also kept in the gameplay that was uh relevant to the story which i really actually appreciate uh because there's things in these titles that are not just in cutscenes that have impact in the overall story and sometimes that gets it uh sometimes that gets it Change it changes yeah it changes the nuances of some of the things like there's some things that nero say and sees in devil may cry 5 that explain why he reacts as strongly as he does in the end um and i and it's just you know i did that with the last of us uh just recently and that was like a nine hour that's a nine hour cutscene movie it was well done like well done that i mean one and beyond two souls are some of my yeah. favorite like game movies to watch as far as like heart rhythm. right yeah and i mean it's just it's one of those things where it's like you know if you if you don't have time to play these games you know that is a way that you can experience these stories in a in a format that's similar um and you know you kind of for for lack of a better word, you you cut out the. I know that's kind of a topic of debate right now is Sekiro's uh, difficulty. Um, but if you don't like the difficulty of some games, you can look those up and still experience at least a part of that that fun you know exploration part. Uh, so big shout out to the guys who do the the fandom wikis and the guys and and teams that do all of the cutscenes and everything like that. That's just amazing. Um, 
But yeah, so I guess we will see you guys next week. Next week we are going to be talking uh, Destiny again. We'll be talking about the Man with No Name, which is going to be a fun, fun one. Uh, next and next month. Next month we are uh, this month, which is April. Wow, uh, April's mm-hmm. extra lore topic is Anthem. So I know there's a couple freelancers in our in our chat. So I'm looking forward to, I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking forward to sitting back and learning about this world because the little bit that I know, it has something to do with the music. I don't know. It's something about a song. I mean, it's only about, it's, I'm going to have a sore throat by the end of it. Like you've got a sore throat doing this one. I'm going to be talking my, I I don't know if Beard's played much of it, but I know I have. And I know we have a few pegged possibly come and help with it because it's, it's extensive. There's a lot of story that you don't necessarily get by doing play. There's lots of worlds. I'm not going to comment about there. how we might have some experience on games like that. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's just something you kind of get used to. It, it is. It is something I mean, you get reading, used to. <laughs> reading things outside a game or even in game after you. I mean, it's just something you got to. It's like Elder Scrolls. It's like <laughs> Destiny. Elder Scrolls. Elder it's S- like. I'm so, so. Oh my gosh. On that note, on that note, they uh, they started releasing all the books from Elder Scrolls in actual book format. I'm so excited. But before I go down that tangent and we'll spend another five hours here talking about that, you guys have a great day, great week. We will see you again next week. And, uh, you know, again, thank you so much. Uh, let us know how the audio is going to work on this one if you're still listening, uh, because I'm going to try a couple of different. We're trying a couple of different uh processes i guess you would say on collecting the audio we're trying to get it a little bit crisper for everybody uh so let me know how that goes and let me know your thoughts on that in our discord chat or email us uh we have a specific channel in the discord chat specifically for feedback just throw a throw a comment over there and i'll i'll keep an eye on there for every for this next week um but yeah you guys have a great week and we will see you when we see you With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.